just uh, it's just to to bait people in okay a refresh quick refresh i should be working now oh, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, all good. right i guess this is the real start now i see you oh you see me hey hey Vedius. this is for you Vedius. this that's a chubby looking heart but it's for you <laughs> <laughs> i've always been told that i have fat hands really i don't know how to take it i've right. always been told i have long fingers Really? like we have like the perfect duo like we, if we are ever in fighting people in slap wars we have like <laughs> all the weapons <laughs> we have the range and probably, yeah, like, yeah the range and the power yeah there, okay, nice. it's like there was this moment that i was a kid where i realized i have like fucking like i get i get told i have pillow hands which is which is nice i take it as a compliment but like this was this one time i played football right growing up yeah. and then i like i was a part of like a, a massive fucking crash like a guy just fucking ran like uh, stood still and then I ran my knee into his knee and whoever comes in with the least force doesn't get the pain. The other guy gets the pain, right? So he like in some shape or form parried my knee, right? And my knee was completely fucked and I was like laying on the ground in pain and everyone thought that my hand was fucked. <laughs> so I just came over, look at his hand, what the fuck? And I'm like, what? I'm like, they're 12 years old, you know, it's like, what's wrong with my hands? <laughs> They're like, look, it's so swollen. His other hand too. I'm like, no, it's my knee, man. <laughs> it, was, it was a rough that one. That reminds me of one of my favorite stories from school. Did you ever play? So in in the UK, we have a game called Rounders. Rounders, okay. Just, it's just basically, um, it's basically baseball. Okay. But uh, I don't know why we called it Rounders, but maybe it has different rules. I don't know. But the goal is there are four posts. The batter stands on one post. The what are they? What are they? What are they called? The the they're not the baller. That's not the, <laughs> the, the guy that throws the ball. What's, what's uh, the pitcher? Pitcher, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So we have a pitcher, and then they throw the ball, and then basically you knock it away, and you have to run around. Yeah. yeah. If you run around the the four things, you um, you get out. So the in PE once there was my mate, uh, my best mate in school. He didn't hit his growth spurt until he was like sixteen. Okay. So he was like the shortest kid in the whole year even when we were all like 15 16 years old so mm. all these kids going through puberty and he's still just tiny right okay the scaling the thing that yeah that's the thing <laughs> uh, the uh, the thing that people didn't realize was that he had an older brother right and his dad made him basically his philosophy was if you want to understand something you have to learn it yourself mm. uh, so like my mate could build he could rebuild his dad's car at the age of 14. oh shit yeah he was a really smart kid <laughs> okay um but because he had a brother he used to get into fights with his brother all the time right so he was also like he was a smart tough short kid and okay. i loved him um as a fun fact he has a phd in nanoscience and physics now holy uh, shit yeah uh but in this game of rounders you know like in every uh school you have those like in the UK, we call them yobos. You know, just the, <laughs> what? the absolute. The, they're, they're just the, the assholes. You know, the okay. one that no one like, wants to be friends with, but they're just a group of assholes. They just pick on everyone. And oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. had friends like this. Eddie and Freddie are exactly those guys. <laughs> Still, my friends today. Like they, they were just bored. They would do like the most random shit. But I know exactly yeah. what you mean. The, the so yobos. These group <laughs> of just yeah, yobos. Yeah, absolute assholes. Um, and one of them was on the uh, one of the on the second thing. The post right mm. and so my mate was on the ball he hits it and he's about to run and one of those assholes thinks he's going to be clever bear in mind he has hit his growth spurt he's already like five foot eleven 
yeah, big yeah. guy, right? Pretty chubby, right? Yeah, yeah. He's like twice the size of my mate. <laughs> and then um, he's like, I'm going to be clever and I'm going to try and knock down my my mate, right? Okay. And so um, my mate quickly realizes what's happening after he runs past the first thing. So without hesitation, he sprints like, and I shit you not, without like full force, full sprint into this guy that's twice his size. Oh. And everyone's expecting him to just bounce off him. But he not only does he floor him, right? He like rams into him. The big guy goes fucking down. <laughs> he then slows to a light jog and he's running past him with both his middle fingers <laughs> in the air. <laughs> oh, it was one of my favorite memories. Holy shit. And then he got beaten up for the rest of the year. Oh no, no one fucked with him. No, oh, like, he would just run you down. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you don't. You don't fuck with him. My mate Ross, you would never fuck with him. He was a very smart boy and he was a very tough guy. Holy, rebuilding cars and shit at fourteen. Can imagine him like a baby, you know? He's like crying that he's hungry, and his dad is like, "Yo, cook your own fucking meal." <laughs> and he's like, "This <laughs> is fucking throwing a pan at him." Oh, fuck's sake, <laughs> fucking baby. Uh, yeah, yeah the cyanol. Someone wrote cyanol. This is Jiu-Jitsu cyanol. <laughs> yeah, it was that exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. yeah. Are you like still in touch with people that you knew growing up, or did you feel oh, like yeah. you made like a, a big sacrifice, like going into uh, esports? In university, I don't speak to any of them. Mm. The ones I met at university, I don't speak to at all, um, which is a shame because. A lot of people in university like saved me because I had no will to do any work in my degree. Okay. I probably wouldn't have uh, gotten the grade that I did. But mm. um, it's cool because my mum still lives in Southwest Wales. Uh, oh, yeah. Whenever we go home, I haven't seen them in ages, obviously, but whenever I get the chance to go home, normally I just give a lot of them a ring and they're relatively close. So it's pretty easy to just trying to get married to everybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> you just call them up. Uh, but yeah and it's yeah that easy my mate because uh, the thing is my mate ross he um after he graduated he wanted to take a break because he'd been in education for he did like four years university three years phd mm -hmm. um so he's been in school since you know however long uh, and he was like i need to be done so if i went home now i could probably find him pretty mm. easily that was uh, cool a lot, of my, a lot of my other mates went to like cardiff or bristol or like fairly close in the UK and the UK is relatively small anyway so it's not yeah yeah unless you drive up to Telford that's in the yeah. middle of fucking nowhere yeah that, that fucking sad. place yeah. why would you go to Telford I was there once for I-45 oh <laughs> fucking insomnia <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it was fucking horrible I used to drive my uh, my mate uh, down to Coventry mm. I-49 was the first one I went to yeah. Okay, I forty nine. You played, no? You were playing? Yeah, I played. I uh, at my first tournament with my mates, we were just competing for fun. I played against Power of Evil. Holy shit! Uh, yeah, my my uh, claim to fame was I was the jungler because this mm. was back in season three. I was a uh, back then challenge only had like two hundred people in it, so Diamond One had like plus four minus four. Okay, and back then I was Diamond One eighty four LP in. Uh, as a jungler so it's pretty good okay um, yeah I, I remember you these uh, these are times that you look fondly upon yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, very fondly yeah back when i was actually really good at the game yeah um and uh power of you so what happened was the big one of the big uk orgs fm esports okay 
they lent their jungler to the unicorns of love because Kikis, do you remember when he used to play for them? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he couldn't play for whatever reason. Both so okay. they borrowed FM's jungler. So in return for Insomnia, they let Power of Evil play for FM Esports. So Power <laughs> of Evil came over to the UK um, and that's, he competed in this tournament. That's so and, fucking uh, shady, man. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Imagine that you pull that shit nowadays, you know? It's like, oh, so we're going to gonna borrow, borrow caps here and then we're gonna give you back like let's say uh zivu and you can have him in yeah. CSGO, and then we're gonna just uh you know that tournament you want to play that tournament? oh okay let's just let's just uh, use them as uh, fucking bodies that you just move around yeah <laughs> like this was the wild west back then that man. game um two hilarious things happened so the first thing was i had a cheese strat on lee sin mm-hmm. which was that you do um Pardon me. I can't remember exactly what you do, but in the past, it used to be buff to buff. So you wouldn't do camps. You would do yeah, like buff to buff and you were level three already. Yeah, something like that. So you would do buff to buff. So what I would do is I would do blue and then I would uh, go into the, the brush behind the enemy red buff mm-hmm. and then I would sit and wait. And then because they didn't have smite, I would steal their red and then I would kill them. Mm. Um, and so I did this like all the fucking time and I did this against their jungler who was caught off guard so I killed him and then Power of Evil being the laner that he is rotated down to try and help collapse and so I flash over the wall after killing his jungler and stealing his red into the dragon pit which spawned at two minutes back then Uh, and then he flashed after me so what I did was I aggroed the dragon um, I slowed him with my cripple on mm-hmm. the sin, and yeah, then I yeah. ward hopped out, and the dragon killed him for me. Holy shit. Um, and then afterwards, he added me. We lost that game. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, he added me, and he said, did you do that on purpose? Uh, and then I said, yeah. I didn't think I could kill you because my Q is on cooldown. Um, so I used the dragon instead. And he was like, GG, well played. And then he stayed <laughs> on my friends list for like the next four years or something before... Uh, yeah, they removed me or he got a new account. But, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. You have um, a replay of this? Is there a VOD? Game? I tried finding it, but no. Shit, uh, the man. Insomnia VODs. That game wasn't even streamed, so you'd... Uh, oh, that's a BG. But the other one was um, my mate. Uh, he played AP Tristana into um, into uh, Power of Evil. And okay. he, uh, he solo killed him twice. <laughs> <laughs> and he kept typing in all chat like why is this a thing <laughs> <laughs> do you remember AB Trist with the burn on the E yeah, yeah yeah no of course of course and then there was like this thing where you could do with the W where you could like you made the minions low then you W'd on the minion and it would trigger like your E like multiple times at the same time yes. and you would one shot people like level 2 already yep it was uh, and a I good cheese your alt had AP scaling too. Yes, so yes. Stupid. It still does actually. But but oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that and he sort of killed him twice. And he said that like that was one of his greatest achievements. Knowing where Power of Evil is today, the fact that he uh, <laughs> solo killed him twice on AP Tristana mid. Totally. Where he is today at gunpoint, Bjergsen <laughs> yeah. returning as a player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Holy shit. What do you think of that, Bjergsen returning? um what caught my interest was when he said uh, or that article said that he's looking at eu prospects imagine bjergsen comes back to europe i think that's that's the career move i don't think this guy needs money no i mean i think bjergsen um, needs um 
to compete and come back home. I mean, I don't know what money is like in Europe. Like, I do not know what the salaries are like. I have like a rough estimation, but I wonder if anyone could even give him an offer that he'd be okay with. Because relative to TSM, I'd be surprised if an organization in Europe could, could match that. I have no idea. Well, I, I know that it's very top heavy, right? It's like very, very top heavy. And okay. if, if you're one of the top guys, then uh, you, you can make similar money here uh, that uh, that uh, you can make in, in North America. But you need to be like at the top end, for sure. Like maybe not like the super, super top end, like North America, but you, you can get that, you know? But is that it's quite similar in America. Is that what my understanding? Yeah, it's yeah for sure. Like top heavy. Not everyone in NA is making ridiculous salaries, right? Yes, yes. But it's also in North America, like the, the landscape is so different due to like the, the import system and like having residency and all of that jazz, like that just moves values around while in Europe, yeah. it's a lot more pure in terms of just performance. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty neat. And at the same time, like the ERLs are so heavily involved that uh, like like in some cases you, you're better off having a career uh, in, in some of the RL teams than being at the bottom LEC team honestly yeah like, uh, like being in K Corp like for example Cabo for sure this guy deserves to be in LEC like I think everyone knew it everyone knows it and this guy dumped on everyone uh, <laughs> that he played against in, in, in the Challenger series he just had uh, got to chill a bit but I think in terms of career, it's better for him to just smash people with K-Corp, be in such an organization than to, you know, oink in some bottom uh, LEC team. He's French too, right? Yeah, yeah. And he really likes Chupa Chups, so <laughs> it, uh, it goes hand in hand. Ugh, off-season yeah. rumors. Is there anything that stands out to you as the most exciting? Uh, are you, uh, do you like the drama? I mean, no. Mainly because I actually know, I mean, I know a lot of the pros. Yeah. I was really stressed for you in the off-season last year, you know? Oh, yeah. Because um, <laughs> my, 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 I mean, like, on a personal level, players are treated as, like, products, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, they're pieces on a board, and mm -hmm. you're trying to build a roster that can, um, that can compete. And I get it why, like, it has to happen and why you have to look at that, but then... When you look at the people behind it and some of the decisions that are made like it just sucks a lot for a lot of them yeah, um, yeah and i've never been a part of that process so i can't say for sure exactly like all the intricacies of it but um like you know i know a lot of, i've known a lot of g2 players for years because mickey came in actually the same split i did 2016 splice yeah, yeah. he joined the same split that i did so i've cast mickey his whole uh european lc career yeah so yeah. To see him not be on G2 is sad for me just because I think that I think he's still such an amazing player and he is, he is had sure. bad splits. I mean, remember that like his hand was crippled before he won MSI. Yeah. <laughs> People were like really critical of him in the in the spring of 2019, and then he went and he had an insane tournament with Perks. Um, and then even in summer, uh, I think that he played super well, and I think that it's very natural, especially for tenured pros to have like up and down splits for um, sure like, i wouldn't be surprised if a player like wonder came back next split and was immediately like one of the top top laners again right 100 percent. no it's like like the the community perception is so short term like it's really yes. but but that's that's the thing it's like often we want to view the community as one but it's 
living and changing by the minute, right? Because the the people that that comment and the people that like, it's not like I'm paying attention to the names, but it's always different people, and it's it's often people are gravitating towards negativity because it's such a natural thing to like gravitate towards. It's like how crazy how social media also the algorithms have figured out that people interact with negativity the most, right? And uh, it's the same for Reddit, right? Like the comments that get upvoted, they're always like, oh, this guy is fucking trash. And it's like, okay. So short-term based. But in my mind, I feel like all of the G2 players, they've, you know, if they're in for next year too, like uh, it doesn't matter. Like these guys have have uh, so much credit uh, in their pocket for what they've done over the last years that uh, it just shouldn't matter. And uh, for from from being like experienced in teams as well, like, you know, with with the shifts that occur and the dynamics that change, you know, I think the the difference between a player performing super super well and and a lot worse, there there can be like small differences, like really really small differences. You know, it's, it's the same. I should also teams, quickly right? clarify. We I don't, don't know, know anything. We don't know. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> when Yamato asked me about the rumors, the one that I immediately went to was the G two ones, right? Because yes, yes. There was the rumors of Mickey and Wonders buyout and then Grabs as well. Yes, um, yes. So that's just what I'm commenting on. And I don't want people to sit there and think like, Fedius confirms G2 removes Mickey. I don't. Yeah, have yeah, of course. That's <laughs> why I also specifically said rumors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's also like. Because like I've all rumors of like, you know, Fnatic Bjergsen too, you know, and it's like, there's nothing to confirm that. You know what I mean? It's all just, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's like. No, I, I agree with you. Like the, the G2 players, like sometimes a certain dynamic just doesn't work out. Like I think yeah. the, uh, the whole roster, like individually, they, they will, they for, for sure have the potential to be uh, the, the best in their position. I wouldn't take that away from them. And I think any GM that is taking their opinions from Reddit, uh, you know, will not uh, have any success anyway. So uh, good luck to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, your roster is the craziest ones to me, but I'm like, um, so this is an interesting one. I, I don't even know if you can comment on this because, like, you're their coach, right? But, we'll see. but um, <laughs> one of the things that has been coming up actually a lot recently is like the quality of Europe right now, mm -hmm. right? Which is because, um, like, you can look at the Fnatic roster in two aspects, which is one of them is like, well, Fnatic succeeded because a lot of the teams around them crumbled, right? You could make the argument that, well, a roster like this was able to find success because a team like Rogue didn't perform at the level that they should have. A team like Misfits didn't perform at the level that they should have. A team like G2 didn't perform at the level that they should have, which then made it easier for teams to, a team like Fnatic to overcome them. Or the alternative perspective is this roster got good enough that they earned that spot fair and square. And like, the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle between the two, right? Because you can never really, like, if you talk to any team and they lose, they're always going to sit there and tell you, we didn't perform at our best. And I'm sure that even now you can sit there and say, like, there's a world where we could have beaten Mad Lions if we just played a little better, right? Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's probably some gray area, but I am curious as to your thoughts about it, because, like, or if that's something you can really talk about, you know, if you've... You mean, like, the, the power level of Europe in general, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, what do you think about Fnatic and your roster? I guess. Well, I, f I feel like generally Europe. I, I think it's it's been good. I I feel like always as 
the the teams that are successful rise from the ashes of everybody else burning, right? That's always mm-hmm. going to be the case. Unless it's so damn clear that the team is so much better than everybody else that uh, they just steal away all the attention. Right. Like that's, that's the case for G2. That's the case. Like when G2 was in, uh, in, in their prime, like 2019 G2 or 2018 Fnatic, they were so much better than everybody else that um, it just... Uh, you, you couldn't really... No one really cared if the other teams were burning or not because yeah. it was so clear that they were better. Um, now, in the context of what's going on, you know, like I, I look back at the previous years when I qualified, for example, when 2016 with Splice, that was also, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rough years uh, for uh, a couple yeah. of the other teams, you know, with the G2, like Fnatic had um, the rebuild after losing Huni yep. and Rain Override, so they also had a rough year. 2018 can also be argued, like, with Fnatic, uh, it was there, right? Uh, and then it was us. And then finally, uh, uh, G2. And uh, G2 was also going through troubled times. Like, they were, like, griefing the oh, whole I'm... summer split, right? And they had to go through the gauntlet. you played the third-place match against Misfits, and yeah, everyone yeah. thought Misfits would win, too, right? Because that yeah, was the yeah. Max Law... Was that Max Law Alfari roster with Hans, yes, too? Yes. Hans Sama, yeah. and then uh, I think Senkuks was Har- made. So it's like the, the, there's always that question, you know, it's like when, when other teams succeed, people are going to look at the other end too. And the other end almost always looks bad. Yeah. Like it's, it's just our perception when someone loses, they look bad. And in the context of what missiles accomplished, right? That on, on paper, I think they had a pretty damn good uh, split in terms of oh, you yeah. know the ex- their expectations. G two, of course, they, they they crashed and burned in terms of expectations. You know, I remember you know after we beat them, I was reading the comments of um, you know what uh, what everyone was writing uh, back when uh, you know Reckless signed with G two. Everyone said Fnatic is doomed. And Wundu was tweeting too, like yo, uh, this is gonna be so fucking free, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, like of course the sentiment it made sense at the time, but it was just it, it, it's it's funny how sometimes uh, things uh, play out. It's like there's so little details that can be the difference makers, and I feel like um, you know I look at what we accomplished. The the best thing. You know, it's it's always easy to say after the fact when uh, the the journey has been kind of complete. You know, the, the, what we went through, like the teams that we have to go had to go through, and what we needed to learn, was the best thing that happened to us, because right. we got so much better over the span of the playoffs, and that's also contextual with, you know, your opposition throughout the split. We are everyone screaming with each other, so on some level we are all sharing the same experience. So when we scream right. Mad Lions, Mad Lions screams G2, and if for some reason, you know, G2 was better, then hand in hand, we would have also gotten better because it kind of, you know, is connected somehow. And right. um, in my mind, when I think of the underperformance of a different team in, in the context of our team, it's just something that you can't really account for because at the end of the day, you face adversity for what it is right we are preparing against this g2 this is the g2 we're preparing against this is what we are practicing against this is what we're fighting against and i think that is where my thinking in terms of the power level of of any region kind of stops because uh, to say that eu is weaker or not is is very very hard to say because 
I remember 2018, the sentiment was Fnatic was great, and then Vitality, G2, whatever, you know? We did fine, 3-3, yeah. we lost to C9, which is, you know, to this day, really pisses to me off. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm writing to Reaper, right, and he's booking screens one of these, and just reading Reaper pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm very polite, he's a great guy, he's, he's a great success with one of the thieves. Uh, but it's like it boils my blood, you know, it really boils <laughs> yeah. my blood. Um, and then G2 had their amazing story of beating RNG and, and, and perks completely popping off and, and Wunder and Jankos yeah. and of course Jan and what did. Like, that, like it's, it's so hard to Able judge. Able timing about Yeah, because it, 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 there's, there's so many variables at play that uh, makes it hard to predict because a lot can change even in a minute, you know? As, as crazy yeah, bro, so yeah. With that in mind, it's just, um, I, I know you and I have had this moment before, mm. so I know it exists, but sometimes you watch a team yeah. and you genuinely think this team is really fucking good. Yes, yes. Right. And I will never forget after the 2019 spring finals, G2 yes. Origin, you came into the back room and we looked at each other and then you looked at me and you said, you know, I think this team can win MSI. And then I'm, the first thing I said back to you was, I was thinking the exact same yes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but I had that with um, 2018 Fnatic. I yes, made the yes. tweet. I, I tweeted out that I think Fnatic will make, well, Fnatic can make finals this year. Yes, I legitimately yes. thought so. Um, and sometimes you can just see a team and you're like, I can see the potential in this roster. And sometimes it's really hard to explain to people because a lot of the times it comes down to the like, because like, I, my opinion is, and we're kind of moving away from the previous topic, so I hope that's okay. But um, my opinion is that when you get to a certain level of professional play, mechanics become significantly less of a factor because it, the reality is that if everyone can play their champions perfectly, then there's almost a predetermined outcome depending on the draft. Um, now that's always not exclusively true because there are a significant number of variables in league. Um, and obviously a lot of things can change depending on what happens in the game, but mechanics, the impact of an individual starts to fall off the higher you go in terms of pro. And it becomes more about the decisions that you make when you make them and then how reliably you can execute upon them. And certain teams throughout history, I've just seen those decisions and I've thought to myself, they always make the right decision, like always. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous and insane, the fact that they can so consistently make that correct decision. Um, and, uh, but those teams so rarely come around. You yes, know? yes. It's, <laughs> those no, it's really like, special teams. I've, I felt this way, like if I, if I think about um, my, my, my past, I've felt this way about SKT back in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, I remember thinking this about IG when we scrimmed them. I was like, these guys are going to be trouble for Fnatic because oh. they were in, in the group. Like, I, yeah. Screaming IG was... Screaming IG, I remember KT 2018 was also... I got that feeling. Uh, 2019 G2, 2018 Fnatic... Like, it, it, like playing against those teams, it there was a sense of it is inevitable what they will try to achieve in the game. Yeah. There, there's this element of even if something goes wrong, 
that the team is in the state of mind that it doesn't matter and they will figure it out anyway because yeah. something that all of these teams have in common is that the game is never really over right yeah like, I, like yeah. I lost games against G2 when we were tanking gold behind I lost games against IG we were tanking I mean tanking gold ahead I lost games against KT when we were tanking gold ahead I lost games against uh, Fnatic that Fnatic when we were tanking gold ahead it was just the game is constantly played until it's completely fucking over and uh, I think that is something that a lot of teams lack, you know? Yeah. And I think it requires a very specific player. Think, for example, Hillisang. He's that type of player. He's yeah. going to see opportunities where no one else sees them. He's, he's, he's going to create opportunities when they don't exist. Meaning, like, he, he, he could be the type of person to have so much foresight where he thinks... I, I can only die here if they commit flashes. I'm going to look for them to do that in order for them to burn something to create an opportunity for later. Like a good death, you know? And th that's just like a very simple example of it, but his his perception of the game is very, very deep, you know? And that is uh, rare, uh, very rare. And uh, if I think of the context of what Europe is, I think Mad Lions is pushing towards that. But yeah. uh, I worry that maybe they are not they are not as as exciting individually as uh, some of the previous teams uh, like for yep. example 2019 G2 2018 Fnatic so I think it's easy to not put them on that same tier but they they have that element of you know the game is never over with them right yeah they, they they really even if something they they fuck up they end something they are still you know thinking about the next layer of the game and that's a tough thing to teach because I think scrim culture-wise and so forth, it's like when you're in a losing position, the game is lost, right? Yes. But it never really is because no one really ever plays a perfect game. And yes. I think that is like a, a topic that um, I think everyone should be looking to, you know, explore more. And in the context of us, you know, heading into this tournament, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Like, um, I'm very happy with our level. I'm, I'm very happy with, with the potential we have um, uh, on the roster. I, th I think I, I have uh, fantastic players that definitely, you know, can compete uh, with the best. And it just will come down to how we use our practice. You know, I can, I can tell you now that when we played, before we uh, played the finals against Mad Lions, mm -hmm. like we annihilated them every single scrim that we played. And yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sharing that because scrims at the end, the result just doesn't matter. It's just about what you take <laughs> away from them and you know, what you, what you bring on the day. And I can say for certain that, you know, the, the day, we, we didn't have a good day performance-wise. You know, it was, it was a tough task to, to go through all of the best of fights that we did. So we had a lot of footage, like Mad Lions got to see 18 of our games. They got to see our scrim games too. And uh, like we got to see those scrim games too, but from their positions, you know, uh, their position obviously is more privileged because of, um, you know the, the the way the bracket works and yeah, yeah. I, I walked away feeling you know we could have done so much more and uh, I hope that we face them again at the world championship because I think that we can be better than them but that comes from the coach of the team so I'm going to yeah. say everything in a bias slide because say, it, this all comes back to what I was saying to earlier as well which yes, is like yes. when uh, whenever you ask anyone they're always going to sit there and tell you like oh yeah sure of course Fnatic is good but 
I, as the road coach, believe that our guys just didn't play as well as they could have, you know? And like, well, of course, if we just played better, we would have won. You yes, know? Yes. <laughs> and like, and uh, it's, it's, it's always going to be that case. And that's just kind of what I would expect from you, Yamato. There's, there's no reason not to expect <laughs> No, um, of course. But do you, um, do you set goals or are your players, do they have goals? Or do you sit there and just be like, hey, let's just find out who we're playing first. Do you know who you're playing first yet? Did they announce the schedule today? Uh, I don't know if the schedule is announced. I've been so busy preparing for my, my flight for tomorrow. Like this has been the only off day I've had in a very long time. So okay. I, anything that has been happening in the, in, in the league world is not necessarily uh, something I am aware of right now. But uh, Okay. You want to know who you're playing first? I'll figure it out later. We, we, can t- we can talk about it later. I'll let you do predictions okay. or whatever you want to do. Because okay, I, I, okay. obviously I can't say. I can't, I can't say anything. You know, I need of to course. make sure that I protect myself and to not make any conflicts of interest. I love people, yeah, sure. you know, people writing. Can you make tier lists? Can you t- tell me what champions are being played? Can you tell me about scrims? As I, you know, <laughs> the paparazzi. Someone, <laughs> Twitter paparazzi. Someone in... Um, Someone in Cadrol's chat said, hey, can you spectate the Cloud9 scrims? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very cute, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very cute. Um, okay, so what would you like to talk We talked a lot. We kind of went on a weird path there. Yeah, I yeah, I, I don't know where we went. Oh, who cares? Um, oh, Mad okay. Lions is interesting, uh, I think. So my, um, oh yeah, so let's talk about that because that was um, humanoid to me is special. Is, and yes. I don't know why. I, d- I don't have a very valid reason as to why. It's just when I watch him, when I watched him all split long, I was sitting there thinking, this boy is very, very, very good at the game. Um, and I think that he is one of the most talented players in Europe. And what like really impressed me, maybe impressed isn't the right word, but Niski on PGL mm-hmm. seemed to have a huge amount of respect for Humanoid. And he was talking about how he was like watching his pro views and he was like, um, trying to take things from him and yeah, he was yeah. learning and uh, and it was actually very cool to hear Niski say that he has a lot of respect for, for Humanoid because um, I feel like you just don't hear that from pro players very often these days you know like you don't very often hear like I really look up to this and I'm not saying that Niski's like he's his idol right mm-hmm. but <laughs> but uh, especially in a domestic sense normally you hear like oh like I'll watch Faker's VODs or I watch Showmaker's VODs so to mm-hmm. hear um a player like Niski, who's who's very good in his own right, uh, looking to learn things from his from his peers in, in his own region, is was so cool to hear. So, um, yeah, I think Humanoid is really good, and I think that he's a large part of what makes this roster really special. Um, and I think that if you want to do any disc- group discussion, in my opinion, this should be a very straightforward group for for Mad. I'd yeah, be yeah. surprised if they do not get out of this group. No, for sure. All right, we, we will we will get to the world stock eventually. This is like, like Mad Lions, you know. There's always, you know, when you get to practice against Asian teams, you go to those tournaments, you realize, like the first days, you realize what you're missing. When you realize right. what you're missing, it becomes like you, you get faced with the task of just getting fisted for a little bit, and then you have to add what you're missing because it becomes so blatantly obvious. It's, right. it's tough sometimes. For example, these last scrim days, like our position hasn't been like super great. So it's been tougher to practice what we need to practice because we get away with a lot more. Right. And sometimes, you know, when, when, when you're staring down the barrel of a gun 
over and over, you eventually realize, you know, how to deal with it, you know, and it becomes a so lot just easier when you're faced with that situation. You've been scrimming EU and NA teams, I imagine? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And that's okay, right? Like, uh, I'm, yeah. I don't want to talk bad about the EU or NA teams at all. Um, and, you know, when it came to, to us, it was the same thing, right? When we faced Mad Lions two times in the regular split in summer, uh, it was... It was good evidence of what we're lacking, you know? So Mad Lions was definitely like a team. They had what we lacked, you know? Uh, and right. it was something we lacked in spring because in spring our approach was was very wrong. Like everyone had the, just the wrong expectations coming into spring. And this is something that we learned from a lot. And then into summer, uh, in terms of what we needed to work on was like our our how we are linked in the game, how, how we are connected to each other in the game. And this is something that Mad Lions are very good at. They, they are... Mm-hmm very selfless as as players i think what humanoid does well is he has a good good grasp of how like the the windows of when he can get pressured and the windows where he can make himself as big as possible in the sense Mm -hmm. of making multiple players on the map feel his his presence basically i think for for the average player they have a very linear way of seeing the game for example I am on midwave. I have six creeps against six creeps. Uh, sometimes you could give those six creeps in order to deny topside two two waves, right? And right. and that's a very very good price to pay when you say it like that. It's the same thing for a support, right? If 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 if, if Kaiser is not showing on the map, bottom lane is paying a price of maybe six minions because Kazi can't walk up. But all of a sudden, mid lane and top lane have to think twice because the support might be there, right? Yep. And I think this is something that Mad Lions do very well. They're very fluid in terms of knowing where they need to pressure together, where they need to link together. And I think this is where they find a lot of opportunities. And this is, I think, where, where Rogue are weaker, right? Rogue are not so good at this. They're good at yes. playing the game of six minions versus six minions and squeezing value out of that moment. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and chasing jungle camps and, and, and very individual play. But then when it comes into mid-game, it's all about, you know, Find those opportunities and and making yourself as big as humanly possible in terms of using fog of war, because something that you you will notice right away when you watch Rogue is that, like, the the super and jungle are showing way too much. They make themselves so small. It's like the moment you go into fog of war, you make yourself so big. Like the yeah. moment you enter fog of war, it's like a, a like a circle on the minimap that is just expanding, expanding, expanding in in the context of your move speed. And uh, this is something I think that Mad Lions does very well. I think Humanoid does well because we took, you know, we, we looked at that and obviously good teams are teams that uh, you should study and learn from. And uh, what, what Niski said was true. We, we looked at their games and there was a lot, a lot of good things to take away. I think uh, uh, Kaiser and Humanoid are, are the key players of, of that team. So that reminds me of um, Caps um, only because he is a player reminded me of someone that almost didn't seem afraid of fog mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and maybe you can correct me on this but my impression of caps is always like okay yeah they um oh actually it's a thing that Cadre says a lot which is fake pressure so sometimes what you'll do is you'll move and you'll sit in your tri brush to create the sense of fake pressure so as you rightly said the moment that someone goes missing on the map the expectation is that you show respect to that person because that person could be coming mid or they could be staying bot. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you as Thresh just walk into your tri-bush and you just sit there because 
don't know, you're, you're just creating the sense of fake pressure. You can get the enemy mid laner to do something simply because you're not visible on the map. Um, and sometimes I would feel that Caps was the type of player that would like assume half the time it was fake pressure. Um, and then he would kind of rely on his own ability to like, oh, I was wrong. And then he would try and play on the edge to get out of that situation. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that though, or if... Um, Oh, I, I remember like when, when Caps came to the scene back in 2017, he was a, a wildcat. And I remember I was flamed because I said that, like I said in an interview that Caps is the most mechanically gifted mid laner that we have. And I, I got a lot of shit for that. But, but for, to me, it was very evident right away in terms of how he practices and also how he, he played. And 2017 wasn't like a, a fantastic year, but this was like the time where like Caps did the, the killed on Perks with the Rise. There was like, yep. you know, he was Rise and Perks was playing Syndra. And there was like a lot of moments like that that were just, you know, brilliancies in terms of mechanical play. And that's what he was, right? He was yep. kind of like very, very similar to Jizuke start in 2018. You know, Jizuke was yeah. like, you know, the things he did mechanically were absolutely nuts because this was his, his, his main focus. This is, this is how he viewed the game. Mid versus mid, he needs to annihilate. You know, that's yep. that's how he wins games, and that's how he's going to approach the game. And I think this was like the beginning of of Caps's career, and also Jizuki was very similar in the beginning. Just and also Perks in the beginning, like yeah, he w had the privilege of playing with Trick, who was an absolute fucking god in the jungle at the time. Like we we mm -hmm. were so blessed in Europe that both Trick and Spirit came to Europe because I think they saved the level of jungle we had you know i think if that didn't happen the the stonks for junglers in europe maybe it would have been different today you know just because of the trajectory of everything because trick and spirit were so much fucking better than everybody and then when you're faced with that problem right how do i beat this guy you become so much better right and 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 trick was was super super good but perks was the same way he was fucking solo killing everyone i remember the game against aika when he played like he played aria against aika rise and he just fucking demolished him like annihilated yeah. him puts him like six feet deep you know just his head was sticking out of the sand and he just kept slapping it you know and he could couldn't do anything like it was was um was was crazy and and caps eventually you know you evolve you evolve and then you realize you know that there is so many things that are far more important than just annihilating the enemy mid laner and yeah. i think that progression was very very obvious when he transitioned into like the the g2 times where they ran into Damwon and they, they, they beat Damwon very easily because Caps was dominating the whole map. He was yeah. pushing, dominating the whole map. And Showmaker at the time was just really, really good at laning. But his, in, in terms of the impact on the map, was not there. And that's like the evolution of how you win games. Eventually you get to the point where, where team play is, is, is key and, Those uh, were his back-to-back -back Kale games, weren't they? Yes, I yes. I, I think yeah. there, there was a Kale, Kale top, I think. that, And then he played like, I don't know if he was playing Yasuo. And then there was like an Irelia top. Like uh, Wunder was playing uh, Rise against Irelia. And then like Yasuo roamed top like 18 times. And then he yeah, played yeah, Syndra yeah. into Leblanc. And, uh, you know, he just uh, completely like dominated the map. He He found ways to beat the enemy team instead of just beating the enemy mid laner and that's always yes. like the, the progression and i think that's always the conversation between like when people say chovy is the best mid laner i think it makes sense when it when it comes to the context of just beating the enemy mid laner but beating the enemy team 
that's something that I believe maybe Doinby is better at, right? Like Doinby yeah, is I much mean, better at beating today. the whole team, right? And Showmaker too, right? When you look at Showmaker's performance at MSI, I think that he and Kanye were kind of dragging that team through that tournament, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. 100%. And I think that's like just the, the, the evolution of, of many players. And I think Humanoid was that too in the beginning. He was like a, yeah. a brawler that sometimes just straight up griefed it, right? He died like 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Like a mini, His minimap wasn't on. He was yeah, just... yeah, he was going on side lane, <laughs> just sprinting it with his corky and... And now he has he, he, he has began to understand how to beat the enemy team and how to make your team winning, uh, which is, you know, there's this concept, like people think you push and then you have prio, but there's so many ways to make prio. You could, you could base, lose a wave, base first, the other guy bases because he pushed a wave, you're first on the map on the next wave, you paid six minions and then you have prio. You could die... And the enemy, just because your respawn timer is, 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 is shorter than the enemy recall timer, you could have prior on the next wave when you die. You could get prior with TP. You could get prior by just not contesting the wave and being in fog. There's so many different ways of being there at, at the right time. And I think this is where the, the better mid laners begin to show up. Because some of the lower level mid laners, they just see it very linearly. It's like, yeah. I push, I have prior. And that's it. I'm getting yep. pushed. The enemy has prior. But if you watch the context of the map, maybe you can pay those six minions and be first anyway. Because someone said in your chat the Hilly special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, I remember this conversation that happened with Hilly. It's just uh, this, the, the sentence. I can't share the context, but he just said, "When I'm dead, I am unleashed." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's truly a blessing. Yeah. That's... No, that that specifically reminds me of a situation. So um, there was a, I think it was in the finals. So maybe you've even VOD reviewed this. It was either in the finals or it was a prior Mad Lions game. But um, maybe it was against Rogue. But the point is that what happened was a, a play happened in bot lane, mm -hmm. right? A play happened. Um, Armut, I think, had just died or he'd come back to lane for whatever reason. And the wave was slow pushing towards Odawamne, right? Mm -hmm. So Odoamne had TP'd bot due to this play. He'd gone back to base and he was making his way up top, but this wave was stacking top. And because of this gank that just happened bot, I remember specifically the key points are El Yoya is bot lane because he was involved in the play. Mm -hmm. um, and Armut was top lane and he was building up this slow pushing wave. And so rather than base and spend his money, El Yoya said, well, what I can do is I can clear my Gromp, I can clear my Wolves, and then if I just leg it to top, I'll actually arrive at top lane at the same time as the wave crash. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can dive Odo. And so Humanoid, who I had either died or had gone base for whatever reason, he comes back into mid, he pushes out one wave, and then he and El Yoya, at perfect timing, dive Odo top with a stacked wave after a gank bot had only happened like a minute ago. Um, and that, to me, was a really great example of like identifying the map and recognizing, okay, how do I adjust what I need to do to make a play? And FPX did a very similar thing in uh, their one of, in their semifinal match or something. I forget who they were playing against too, but FPX did a very similar thing. And that to me, that ability to like read the map state in a moment and then come up with a creative solution, like, okay, well, I I'm sitting on like 1200 gold. I want to go to base. However, 
the ability to make this play happen in like a minute's time, I can see it. That's actually better for me to just go straight for that player rather than base spend my money because that play is going to impact the map so much more than um, uh, than than just doing my thing. And to me, that kind of like ties into what you were saying in terms of not playing the game linearly, linearly, not just following the traditional rules. Yes, because yes. it's it's this idea that like um, NA is an interesting one in this because one of those things that like always gets brought up like NA's macro is really bad, and I'm like, but. I know a bunch of players that have gone to NA that have a really good understanding of macro. Like Mithy is a really easy example of one. <laughs> uh, but also there's a bunch of talented individuals that also know macro. Uh, and like, I also know a lot of the support staff that go to NA that also have really good macro. So how is it that you can have all these talented individuals that all understand how like the map movements work and how the, the game is played? Um, and how is it that they can... Uh, the players all seem to understand how to move on the map yet when you watch they seem to just not have the same level of macro as other top teams in other regions um and a part of me thinks it is this sense that you need that team that level of team like an fpx or like an old g2 that don't play in the linear sense that don't play like textbook true macro they find creative ways in the moment by just reading the map state and and just adapting and then creating new situations in order to get the advantages that they need. Because um, then that trickles down and it comes back to what you were saying, right? Like having the blessing of losing to Trick and Spirit, having the ability to actually play against teams like G2, 2019, Fnatic, 2018, get defeated, recognize where you're failing and then lose. Um, I've always wondered if that was why NA always struggled because they've never necessarily had that that team that they've been able to like, get obliterated by to then kind of like learn how to like bend the rules in situations but i don't even know if you agree with that concept or well i think that there's always you know a team in a region like the, the best team in the region shapes the rest of the region right it was the same right when you look at north america tsm was first place in the regular split right but everyone started playing similar to how they did it where um they uh, basically had the three musketeers around mid lane super jungle mid just mm -hmm. heavily around mid lane walkers three and uh just let your ad carry play in isolation which was very strange because i saw so many ad carries just catching waves 1v2 uh, i remember specifically like eg versus c9 where like zven was just catching the wave 1v2 and and in my world you know in my fanatic world that guy dies dead <laughs> that guy dies you know there's there's yeah. a show of force and i think it's 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 always that challenge of there's always a chase right it's like this is the best team right now how do we beat them and then after right. they've been defeated they're going to look at, uh, at things and assess and there's always also natural improvement because of because of uh, the intelligence of the players and the experience of the players, there's there's one hundred percent that. Sometimes, of course, there's you can't have improvement without having opposition. I'm not uh, saying that you can't, but right. it becomes a lot easier when you are facing, you know, uh, you know, very very rough teams. But it was very yes. evident that people took in, like the North American teams when TSM was first in regular split. The teams were taking inspiration from TSM. The same right. way here in Europe, the teams like us being second place, we did in fact take inspiration from Mad Lions because they beat us. 
right? Yes. And whether it's inspiration from them or inspiration from the games that we played, it was us against them in that moment and the product that is, you know, we looked at how to solve it and that's, you know, the additional layer that we add, added to our game. You can look at uh, things abroad and you can take ideas and there's many, many ways to improve. But having challenges definitely is one of the, the, the easier ways. And I think... Yep. You know, the tricky thing about North America is just the, the schedule. Like, I would not want to be in that, you know. Just play three games a week, best of ones. I think that's horrible. Uh, the solo queue thing, it seems uh, to be, you know, a problem that is uh, maybe beyond saving because the credibility of, of the solo queue has just, you know, it, credibility is so important because yeah. the credibility of the Korean ladder is you just you just queue up and you feel a type of way already, right? right. It's the, the feeling is completely different. Like when I was yeah. over in Korea, I was master promo, uh, like, and here I'm fucking, I'm, I'm slumming it, you know? <laughs> I'm slumming it, <laughs> which is, uh, Korea service obviously a lot harder, but the, the state of mind is just, um, you know, I- I- important. Yeah. But when it comes to, you know, the best teams that North America has always sent, like, if you look at the teams that uh, are winning, to win North America is so different to being good at the World Championship. It's just, it, the, right. the idea is just so, so different. And that the players that are consistently winning in North America, of course, maybe not in recent times, but for the longest time, those were the players that were consistently chased. And the top players often define the whole region. Yeah. We yeah. were lucky, right? We had uh, the G2, we had the Perks and the Mithy. Like, the, these guys improved the region so, so much. Yeah. And it's the same thing for, like, uh, in, in Korea, they just had, like, such a lineage of, of insane of course, players. Yeah. You know, Faker <laughs> course, came yeah. at the perfect time, right? Like, his first game. And people mentioned Faker, right? but there's so many yeah, talented yeah. players in, in Korea. Like in, it's... Insanely much, right? Yeah. But already, you know, playing... Being in Korea, practicing against Faker, playing against Faker, trying to think of how to beat Faker, already being in that state of mind helps so, so much. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. So mm. I think like key players really, really are important for, for, for regions. Mm. Definitely. I wonder if they've got that now with players like Alfari. Um, I mean, Core has been obviously very good for a long yeah. time. I wonder how that's had an impact on the region. Um, but like I know that like it's funny because when Alfari was here in Europe, I know a lot of top laners actually didn't rate him that highly. Um, obviously, they all rated him in terms of his laning mechanics, but a lot of them sit there and said like, "Yeah, but that's all he's got. That's all he is. He's just a laner. Once you get out of lane, I know I'm going to be better than him, right?" Um, and I just always thought that was fascinating because uh, Europe. That's kind of my expectation when it comes to European pros. You sit there and you ask a pro, like, what do you think of this player? And they go, like, yeah, they're good, but, like, they could be better. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, they... I would, I would, you know, bring back the analogy of, of, of Midlanders from before, right? I remember back in, uh, like, I'm not going to speak to recent times because I don't know, you know, the situation was weird and Team Liquid and so forth. I don't want to speak on, on his level right now. Sure, uh, sure. But uh, I remember back in, uh, back before, that um, when um, we prepared against them, I knew that uh, eventually his the teams that he was on would eventually reach a point where he would no longer he would just group 
and he would just never show up on sideline again. And we would use that to our advantage. And the context was always Alfari is good at laning, but he's not good at winning games. Yeah. Very, very good at laning, right? And it's the same. There's always that transition, you know, like when players become good at winning games and winning, like being a great player is when everyone on the map feels that you are there. Your teammates and the enemies, not just the person that you lane against. Alfari made the person that he lanes against feel his presence, but not the rest of the map. If we think about the recent years, right? Wunder and Whipple have been like the the, the staple uh, top laners of Europe. And they knew how to fucking win games in very, very strange fashions, very often. (laughs) Fucking Whipple gets to level six, just walks down bot and fucking starts laning there, kills the guy, walks mid, goes top, gives up, gives up three waves, doesn't matter, solo kills the guy after, picks some I mean, weird even, shit, you know? Even Adam's a little like that. Yeah, right? Adam's a fucking wild card. Is, uh, <laughs> you know? Like, that's, that's like, um, that's, that's just where we're at with League of Legends, I feel, you know? It's like, it's such a connected game, and uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> about making sure that uh, you're connected to what you do, uh, like, it's, it's gotten to the point if, if, if I'm playing a game, minute two, my bot lane is pushing, that matters to me as a top laner. Yeah. Everything matters. Every piece of information matters. And in the games where it's obvious that it matters, it, it, when you play against Mad Lions, it's very obvious that it matters. Yeah. Against Rogue, I remember the first game we played in regular Spittons in summer. We, we beat them, we picked Cartus against them. It was like, what the yes. fuck, Cartus? But the, the whole idea was we picked Cartus and um you know if as long as we don't make the first move nothing is gonna really happen as long as we are uh, you know even if the the waves are being stacked rogue is not going to be the team that is going to send multiple people there to you know uh, cause chaos or find put ourselves in positions where we would have to think about multiple things that they could potentially do they were just actively laning staying in lane and you know doing that fine right. but yeah when you put them in a situation where that is not enough then uh, they would struggle and when you played against mad lions you you i remember there was this game where uh, uh, we we had olaf top the way was stacking uh, we uh, base at the wrong time they dove us and uh, the game was over because of that one stacked wave and everyone on Mad Lions recognized it and we didn't reply appropriately. And uh, this is uh, what we're going to see at the World Championship. This is what the top end teams do. This is what the LPL teams do. They yeah. um, they see it. Like LPL, they play fucking smart. There's, there's no longer yeah. this uh, barbarian, you know, meme, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I agree with you. I agree with you. They, they, see, they, they see jungle camps. They see, uh, you know, it could be as simple as I remember uh, RNG uh, played this game. They had like this uh, mid lane Renekton. They got a kill. They level three ganked. And then bot lane could stay, but they just based, hard shoved the wave base just to be on the same timer as everybody else. So then they just yeah. walked four mid on the bounce. They killed the guy again. The game was over. And they could lane and play for maybe six years advantage, 12 years advantage, you know, gain something because they had push or bottom. But they just shoved in the wave. The enemy caught. They, the, the enemy bot lane was very happy. It's like, oh, I get relief. They are basing. What's happening? I'm very yeah. happy. And then their mid laner got ass blasted because that would be the play that uh, matters more in the end. For sure. Yeah. It's exciting yeah. times.
<laughs> yeah. I love yeah, League yeah. of Legends because of this reason. Just that uh, yeah, it's not I figured mean, it's out yet. scary for Europe. Hmm? That that reminds me, because um, you were talking about how um, you got to scrim uh, teams in the past, you'd lose, and then you'd like pick things up from them. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> Cadre and I were talking, and we were like, we reckon Fnatic have been scrimming G2 throughout playoffs. The reason why we said that was because there was a play that G2 did. Um, and I don't know if you... I mean, I, you must remember it, because I think it was against you. <laughs> um, but G2 did this flawless bot lane dive, right? Mm-hmm. But you stack three waves, and then you dive, ideally, when the enemy bot lane is level one, just before they hit level mm-hmm. two. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, like full they jungle this... camp, raptor into uh, into, into bot, yeah, yeah, and um, it was glitch. absolutely yeah. it was absolutely flawless the way that that they did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember saying that like that that I think that game one against you was the cleanest game like of league we've seen in Europe all split. It was like it was crazy how clean overall that the play was from G two. Um, but that dive in particular, and then it was either you or it was Mad Lions that did that exact same dive later on. Uh, <laughs> and I can't remember if it was you or if it was um, uh, Mad Lions that did it, but Cage and I were thinking like, that that dive that they just did, mm-hmm. we've seen that exact same thing from a completely other team. Um, and then funnily enough, I saw that exact same dive again when I was watching RNG versus WE in uh, in in the gauntlet run yes, and yes. RNG did the exact same thing. And I'm like, well, okay, what probably happened was one of two things. One of these teams learned it from an LPL team, uh, or this has just become a meta thing now that a lot of teams try to do where they stack up this third wave. Um, and I know that um, RNG in particular with Zhao Hu when he plays Lucian, because when he's on a ranged matchup, he can slow push top lane. That allows him to also TP to bot because he can stack waves up himself top lane and then they can like do a four-man five-man dive bot lane and then he can actually get back to top before his wave is in any danger um which is like one of the scary things about rng when they get those ranged top laners like like lucian for example um no like like this this play in particular is something that uh like has has been a thing for so long right oh really like the 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 dive like this, this has been a thing like basically, you, you stack three waves into either you cheater or you look to dive because yes. you are creating as big of a wave as possible. You have a yes. wave advantage, and that that's why you know in the conversation of, of of draft, I think often this is forgotten, right? Like how powerful champions are actually in lane because it yeah. fucking matters. You know, like it's sometimes agree. if you get a wave stacked on you and you are threatening dive and the enemy can't get that fucking wave the game can just be over and it doesn't it matter how be. broken you are at 15 or 20 minutes the game can just be lost right so 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 power really really matters and 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 that dive uh, like it, even if you i remember us playing against rng in 2018 this was yeah. also like one of the like a play that we tried to do but we just got completely outplayed and it didn't work and, and fucking jack troll died and <laughs> and 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 did and you this, still win that game though we did win that game yes because <laughs> draven got to cash out on on let me in top he had like 400 raven stacks and then we just had a 2k gold advantage from fucking on <laughs> dying in, in a length of situation there's this this particular play right like the timing of when the jungler needs to be there 
definitely has changed due to jungle changes. But stacking right. three waves into diving, that has been relevant for so long. Like like Vitality, right? When we were playing Rise and Jace, we were diving on the exact same timer every fucking game. Because Rise, what we figured out very fast was that we could guarantee prior on that cannon wave. And we could push and we can find the play, right? And that's relevant today. That's like, that's like why Rise is so good in, in, in pro play because he can, he can find that timer and when you have waves that are stacking, you can be there to dive. Mm -hmm. And then you are forcing the enemy to either die, well, get lose a lot if they play mm -hmm. ideally. Like it, It's always going to be net positive because either the mid laner TPs to defend and he's in Zimbabwe, you have TP advantage, you set back into yep. mid for free. Or the guy top lane loses wave and his jungler is there and then you all of a sudden have a double crab, right? Like I'd say, you're pathing in the bottom side, you're threatening dive. And then the enemy jungler is also pathing into there. It means that with that wave, you get a crab, you get a double crab and all of a sudden you have prior on every the other side of the map too because the jungle had to take such a long path to end up on bot yep. and he can even be threatened on his camps, right? So yep. so this this particular window, like the first clear... I think this is something that has been relevant to League for so, so long. I, I think if if we... The classic chess pinch, you know? Where you, you're threatening two pieces at once and you're like, you're going to lose something somewhere, right? Yes, yes. That's why, like, early game prior is so fucking important. Like, mm -hmm. this, this was, this was the, the whole idea of vitality, right? I think we, we won a lot because we figured this out first. Not necessarily that we had, like, really insane players, but we won a lot of games in regular split because we, we, we did this very early on. Right. Yeah, you were called a very aggressive team, and often the criticism for Vitality back then was if you didn't get a lead early, you didn't win games. I, I just knew that we needed to be different to win. We needed to be very different to win. If we were similar to everyone else, we wouldn't win. Because right. I'd rather, like, like the philosophy was, we'd rather be pointing a gun at the enemy that has one bullet than to hope that the enemy like stabs itself stabs himself in the eye with a knife or something you know it's just if we miss that bullet sucks you know but we want to have that chance so we drafted into those situations and i remember many games you know people people thought that we were brain dead but some of the games that we played and won were some of the best games ever because it required a lot of fucking precision but when it didn't work it looked really ugly but that's the edge that i we realized that we needed to play on to like pose a threat to to anybody it was the same yeah. fanatic was so fucking insane that year but the only team i remember reckless always said the only team he feels fucking awkward to play against was us and that was all we wanted to achieve we wanted to be fucking awkward to play against yeah if it, uh, if someone is scrimming other teams it's bad preparation for us and that's what made vitality this year in playoffs so fucking weird to, to play against Still, I think the hardest best of five we played besides the Mad Lions one was the Vitality one. Because it they were so fucking... They, were, they played really fucking good. And uh, they made it uh, pretty fucking hard. Uh, fucking Oscar really played well. Really, really yeah. well. And yeah, LeBron had a pretty good series too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like if, if, if we... Like us screaming the other teams, how fucking useless was that in preparation for, <laughs> for Vitality? <laughs> yeah? It's like fucking... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I get that. Yeah. Oh, but, we uh, talk about so many different things. What was our point, Yamano? You, you brought up uh, G2 and, and that uh, that play that they did. You know, I, I, I could notice, you know, G2 yeah. took a lot of, like, inspiration in terms of, like, how they moved together and how they counted camps. It's like, 
oh, we want to invade the Raptors, put down the wards, make our jungle and super times as significant as possible. I, I noticed that a lot, but yeah. they they couldn't figure out how to transition that into more. Because no, I agree with you. Because like most of the time when we played G two, like Upset and Hilly would just fucking outplay them so hard in terms of getting into their head. Right. Like, they, like the enemy would pressure with four into bot, but it just wouldn't matter because the the windows that Hilly and, and Upset found when they're getting pressured by four were just so fucking brilliant. Like right. I remember that game we played against Pantheon Jin bot, which is a fucking hard lane. And then they, there was a Nocturne mid with full prior against Silas, and then there's a Rumble invading our Zinzao. So we had no fucking point of entry on both sides. But they just never died, and they farmed better and did better. And that's just, you know... The, the brilliancy of, of the bot lane that I've been blessed with. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Wait, I did, they did get 2v2 killed by Rogue's bot lane though, didn't they? But uh, if you look at that lane matchup, if you are even CS die once, perf, you know, you need to get more if, if you're playing the, that, some of the matchups that, that, that Rogue was playing. You need to get okay. a lot more. Like, yeah. uh, like Hilly dying level one because... He gets hit by a Q. I don't think. Was it Rakan Ez that you were playing? Is that what you were yeah, playing? Yeah, we're playing. I fucking let, let me pull it up. I don't remember specifically. I don't remember either. I, I haven't we watched. We were fucking picking Rakan. We were spitting on them, right? You were picking Rakan, yes. You, and, actually, uh, that became a trend. It was funny in the draft because we were just like Zaya, only fanatic of playing. It's mainly because they love for Rakan. Are they going to pick the Zaya? And then like you, it becomes a really important pick in the series versus vitality and then you never touch it again and then it randomly comes back again and we're like i don't know what fanatic's doing <laughs> their draft priority shifts literally every game <laughs> yeah, just we we were playing versus very different teams and uh, i mean it's true that is true I, I, I was very proud with the with the work me and shaves it in terms of the preparation as uh, yeah you were hard to predict except <laughs> except niski Niski, I could always predict. <laughs> well, when mid laners are OP, what can you do? You know. <laughs> he picked three mid laners and Cassio. <laughs> I, was, I was like, well, I'm pretty confident. I know which one he's going for. So, so I pulled it up. Right, we we played Ezreal Rakan versus Aphelios mm -hmm. Morg, first game. Yeah. Second unplayable. game, we played Rakan Kaiser versus Ash Lulu. Really fucking hard. Unplayable. Yeah. Next game, they played Trash Jinx against Aphelios Brom, and that game, I think, enemy bot lane got so fisted. In a matchup like Aphelios Brom, I, I think we we completely like annihilated them both. If I remember, I think correctly. you did. Like, I can't game. remember them. And that's though. that was like the one game where we had like a remotable, remotely feasible matchup. So when I read Rogue bot lane better than our bot lane, I just giggle to myself. I think it's a big fucking joke. Oh, you do. But it's it's you know oh he, he, Rakan died level one. Rogue is so fucking good. Woo you know. I understand why why yeah, people think. I mean, my, I mean, I'm happy to tell you that my opinion is that I think Hansama is the best AD carry in Europe. Okay, in my opinion. That's that's completely fine. Uh, and it's uh, and obviously I'm biased as fuck. Obviously, yeah, like, of course, I, of course. I love my boys, you know, and I yeah, see so much more than than anyone else in regards to to my players specifically. So I have the, there's no way I'm not biased. There's no way. Of course, but I think it's really interesting, right? Because uh, I think that um, often. This was a, a perspective that I heard about Rogue on when Kelsey was watching some VODs. She was talking a little bit about how, like, um, she was talking with Veteran about was inspired overhyped 
Um, and I don't think that she was like trying to accuse him of being overhyped, but it was more just like an interesting thought thing. But when you kind of look at Rogue, if their tendency was to always draft winning lanes, as someone now that um, has learnt a lot more about jungle, having like played it a lot more, mm-hmm. you come to realize how much easier the game is to play when you just have winning lanes, right? And of course, Rogue's game plan a lot of the time was get as many winning lanes as possible mm-hmm. and then play for Inspired. And I'm like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Inspired, right? I think he did have a great split overall, uh, and I think that he's a great player. But I thought it was a really interesting like thought experiment just in terms of like sometimes I think it's easy to look at players and see them as actually performing potentially better than they are, um, partly due to like matchups and the champion pools. Um, something that I've spoken with Cadre about is he thinks that Kana as a player often likes to try and get winning matchups. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if a player like Kana, who's individually very skilled, always gets winning matchups, then it makes sense that he's going to look good in lane a lot of the time because he's often going to get winning matchups. I'm not trying to sit here and say that Kana only looks good because he only gets winning matchups, right? That's not the point that I'm trying to make at. I think that sometimes um, players can look a little stronger or sometimes a lot stronger than they actually are because of certain dynamics and certain champions and certain pools that they have. I know that like Vito was considered by many fans one of the best mid laners in the league. Uh, and I think that like while he definitely had his high highs on certain champions and certain matchups, I think in other matchups he didn't even come close to that same level that he showcased, right? Um, and I think that what really defines a good player is regardless of the matchup, your ability to be consistent. And I imagine that's something that you have a lot of respect for a player like Upset for because you feel that you can put him on any matchup and you feel that he's never going to get like destroyed in lane, right? You're always going to have that confidence on him regardless of what he plays. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that that kind of like concept is is really interesting to think about when, when looking at players and, and how the team drafts around them and how they enable players because I think that is a part of why Han Sama does look so good because the type of champions that he plays like yeah, in yeah. my opinion you don't have to comment on this but in my opinion Lucian is becoming more meta and I think that if Lucian becomes a mainstay in bot lane like that's a, a bread and butter Han Sama champion you know what I mean and like of course it's a hilly upset type of champion too they'll dive you at level two level three with that with that champion as well um but these type of players put on those type of champions are always going to look really strong in lane because that's also just the nature of those champions right no 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 i i agree with this with the sentiment it's like you, you can only judge a player for what they are doing with what they're given right yeah and um like sometimes you can see great players on bad teams. Sometimes like they just stand out, and you're like, "Wow, this this guy is good." Right? It's, sometimes it's 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 obvious, and sometimes it's it's less so. And uh, you know, sometimes you it's, certain players can be in situations where they feel like they need to overcompensate. Right? Yeah. I think I think yeah. Jizuke was was a good example um, uh, back uh, last year when people were just oh he's fucking just inting. But sometimes a player is in a state of mind is like, I need to achieve the unachievable in order for us to win. So I'm going to pursue it. Yes. Because yes. the state of mind... That's a really hard thing. Yeah, it's... The, the state of mind you're in, in the context of your dynamic, is so, so important. And that's something that we will never, ever find out unless you're inside of the dynamic. You know, yeah. a player can play a certain way, act a certain way, think a certain way due to, you know, uh, the like the, the team that you're in and that's why i think longevity is always so fucking impressive right yeah longevity is so impressive yeah. and inspired 
he played really, really fucking good with the opportunity that he was given, right? The yes, Wiz Lanes. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the only thing we can judge him by, right? Yeah. And and that's that's it, right? He he was given an opportunity, made the most out of it. Because his his judgment for what he can take and not take and how to get ahead in jungle has been very, very crisp. And that's mm-hmm. why like in the context of people talk about Yankos, like this this guy has been through it all. Yeah. And then when G2 was trying to like back by last year when they were trying to do like farming jungle, right? They tried to catch up to what Suning did and what what Damon did. Like what Damon and Suning did for a very long time, they already played that way. And then yes. the meta shifted, but they just figured out the way they wanted to play better than everybody else. So people had to catch up. They were faced yes. with a problem. The yeah, problem yeah, yeah. was Damon. We need to beat them. How do we beat them? We try doing what they're doing. But when people were complaining about Yankos playing farming junglers, that's still a team fucking effort. What what are you given? And I remember so many times where where G2 are the type of team that are playing very volatile in lane and they are pulling Yankos and Yankos finds angles and finds opportunities. But but Yankos was the one that was receiving flack because he missed a spear or two. Right, mm-hmm, and they turn mm-hmm. into a big yep. meme, which is no, fun, right. right? It's cool, but it's always in the context of your team. What, 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 what kind of opportunity are you given? And uh, great point. It's and great and Yankos is a player that has a longevity, you know. So that's why in the conversation, like it's so strange. People are like, yeah, let's bring in rookies, rookies. We need fucking rookies. And I'm a guy that I brought, I brought a lot of fucking rookies to this to the scene because I think there are some players within regions that have gotten enough chances and they've shown that they can't beat the top players. But uh, your hope is that your rookies turn into one of those top players that have a yes. fucking long-ass career, right? You like there, there are certain veterans that just keep getting better year by year and that's yep. what you want rookies to become. You don't want to just get a rookie because he's a rookie and then he has a clean slate and you can like give yourself credit and a pat on the back like, he's playing good and it's Bro, because yeah. of me. <laughs> no, it's like you want the rookie to become one of those staple players you don't want a rookie because there's a rookie and is and then just next year replace him that's not what the purpose is and then when yeah. you finally grab a hold of of a player like fucking hillisang you fucking hold on to him you know for their life yeah and uh, i'm going to talk about the g2 thing real quickly i i remember doing vod reviews uh with crepo mm-hmm. during that worlds and one of the things that we talked a lot about was so Krepo was obviously a very big advocate of talking about bot lane. Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me a lot about, like, he used to get angry at Perks. <laughs> Not like every game, obviously, but, like, there were certain situations where he'd be like, Perks is taking this trade, which is basically, like, it's too aggressive, he loses too much HP, and now what he needs is his jungler to come and fix his wave. Mm-hmm. And it comes back to exactly what you were talking about, which is that, like, when now Yankos has to adjust his pathing to make sure the bot is covered so they can clear the wave, and then they can reset or they can do something. And mid was no different. Caps would take trades and he would try to all in and he would make stuff happen because like trading health as a resource is something that Caps has always been very good at, right? He's always very good at playing on the edge. But sometimes he takes a bad trade and Yankos uh, has to path to cover for his lane and make sure that he can get out to safety. And that is the exact opposite of how you play that style of playing for your jungler. You would never see SOFM or Canyon help their lanes and it was funny this was one of the big things people meme it but for anyone that remembers my finals cast i talked about ring the barrel right and the whole point of ring the barrel was that 
Beryl was responsible for fixing waves. Yeah. If the top wave was awkward, it wasn't Canyon that fixes it, it's Beryl. He goes. Yeah. Oh, Midwave needs to push out the wave so that Showmaker can reset? Well, Beryl, you need to go and fix that wave because Canyon is busy right now. And like that is why they had the optimal like jungle support setup because of how well and coordinated those two were and actually being able to enable their laners so that they don't lose out on a jungler, but also Canyon can just do his thing. And SOFM was very similar. People like, Ender used to love SOFM because he called him like one of the most efficient junglers in the world. And that's because that's what he was. Jungle camps to him were more important than his laners, yes, which yes. meant the laners had to understand how to play with respect. And you have to understand when you can push, when you move for the jungle. Like this was the dominant meta at Worlds in 2020. And uh, I think you're completely right in that G2, even if like, let's say they go on the other side of the bracket and let's just say they beat Sooning. I don't think they ever beat Dan one because that style was something that I don't think they could ever really fully adopt because the, the laners just didn't know how to play in a way that enabled their jungle. So, um, and I think a part of the reason why Dan one now struggle this year at the beginning struggled anyway was because the meta flipped again right like it wasn't actually all about trying to enable your jungle it was actually more about like playing for your lanes a little bit more um and you could probably put some of their struggles down to having to once again shift to a different style uh but the team looks much better now having figured out a way that works for them so i really liked Yanko's example because I, I just i thought it was a really good one mm. and i think that he is a player uh, especially this split has looked extremely strong right and i think that yeah. during the regular season he was a large part of why g2 finished where they did um no so Ayankos is is fantastic i think all of the g2 players individually are, are fantastic for sure they have uh, and then the other thing you uh, the other thing you talked about was um finding that player to build a roster around i think that like it took a teams a while to figure it out but there are so many great examples of really great teams that have like in particular built around great mid laners right like faker was found at a very young age and he's been on t1 his entire career um perks was found he was put on g2 he replaced carlos and then they kept him for as long as possible until caps was found <laughs> and these young rookies that i mean perks kind of dominated the moment he came onto the scene so he's a bit more of the the rare one but the EU mids meme is, is a situation where we've had a lot of EU mids that like rosters have been built around um, because like they have that that talent that you can then build and develop on over the years. And I think that when you kind of look at Europe right now, you kind of look at players like VTO, we were looking at Abadage. Um, these were kind of like two mid laners that you were looking at that in a couple more years, you kind of be expecting them to actually fight for those top mid lane positions if they were allowed to like keep growing, keep having teams like grow and like new pieces get added in to elevate the roster and like you're kind of now looking at that in the form of a humanoid right and even larson has risen to prominence and he's kind of going through that mid lane transition that you were talking about earlier you know which is okay you're a good laner but how do you then transition that to being a like a a, a great map player almost you know it's great that you can win your lane but how do you win the game um and i think that uh that formula of finding that that player is is really really important but then you have to invest in them and i think that's the most important thing and i think that that was the failure of so many western teams in the past like you didn't get immediate success replace let's get this other player in oh that's not working replace get this player in and i think in the past we saw a lot of churning of players whereas now we're seeing that actual investment over a long period of time 
uh, in the hopes that these players can actually grow into something more significant. Oh, I think this sure. is another good example, actually. Wasn't wasn't he picked up? When, when did he start? Was it Spice? Was... So his um, first team, like significant, significant team, was uh, Fnatic Academy. Uh, he joined, I believe, 2017, the same year Caps joined Fnatic. And he was right. a sub. And then I believe he went over to... Uh, when did he go to North America? Wasn't uh, that 2018? I'm just trying to remember. Was he ever in... Was he ever an Envy? I'm going to bring well, up his... Well, he, he beat me in Splice 2018. Trying to remember if he was... Uh, at, at what point he was an Envy. Was it 2016 he was an Envy? And then he Nifty. joined... Okay, here you go. When January 2015, Punchline Esports, Infamous Esports. When was he an Envy? That's the only part I'm missing. Uh, Envy was May 2017 to November 2017. Oh, okay. So 2018, he went to Splice, and that's when he Cassie paid my ass. And yep. uh, and then uh, 2019 was uh, yeah, you're right. Cloud9 so journey, and he got clapped at Worlds by Griffin. Fnatic Academy, and, uh, he was November 2016 to May 2017. And then he went and then, to Envy, okay. And then he went to Envy for one split, and then he came back to Europe for a year where he played for Splice. Uh, and then after that, that, he was in Cloud9 for two years, it looks like. Yeah. November 2018. Blabber and Svenskeren. Blabber and Svenskeren. And then he rejoined you on Fnatic. I mean, like, I guess... I guess I can kind of see why the perception of him is one that... Um, it's like, oh, well, it's never, like, won anything. But I also think that, like... Are you one of Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? <laughs> um... But I think that imagine if he just stayed on Fnatic Academy and then he moved up to the Fnatic roster when Caps left it in, what, 2019? Yeah, maybe. Like, how, how different his trajectory could have been. Well, I mean, he, may, he wouldn't have won an A. It would have been the different trajectory. But, like, maybe people would have had more faith in him from the offset rather than having to, like, build that faith in him now, you know? I, uh, I'm at a point in my life where I, I never underestimate the importance of any experience we have in our journey to where we are currently because mm -hmm. maybe something if, if we experience something maybe slightly different maybe that would just you know imagine imagine you're on a boat right and let's say you shift one degree to to the left the path your your boat is taking is gonna eventually be so fucking different from uh, from um what it, what the original trajectory was be and mm -hmm. and it's 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 weird like i i've been in many situations that were like very hard at the time like this mad lions loss but i know that at some point whatever pain we're experiencing will be useful to us oh, and yeah. and it's like now niski is where he's at and i look back at his at his path and maybe it's like Maybe something could have been entirely different. You know, maybe in some some weird world, maybe you are the faker of League of Legends values. Maybe if you yeah. if somehow we did something different back then at some point in our life, maybe it's 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 weird how how everything is like every small moment that we have has some level of importance to to where we are today. So who knows what Niski would have been if yeah. he stayed on the academy? Bro, every, the moment you mentioned that, I was like. When I was really trying to be pro back in like season three, four, five, 
uh, I was just too stubborn. I wish, and I'm so angry at myself, I just wish that I had reached out to a coach or a someone that could have taught me macro back then. You did that in Blade and Soul, man. You had your master. Yeah, I had a coach. Beat. Yeah, I beat him on stage. That's yeah. my point. <laughs> <laughs> If I had just had a coach in League of Legends, because all I was, I was just hands, right? I could, like, mechanically, I was really, really, really good. But that was it. I had no brain. <laughs> um, and um, also back then, I never really understood the politics game. Back then, um, it was all about who you knew, right? And like, um, if you pissed off certain players, you, you'd never get onto a team. Um, uh, and I also wish I understood this back then. But I'm not unhappy about my career trajectory. And I also know that I wouldn't have been a pro player for very long. That's for certain. Um, so it's not like I hate the, the path that I took. But even um, that, like that, that pain is useful to you, right? Yeah, for sure. It gives me a lot of motivation. And it's helped me learn since then, because as a result of that, when I look back, I mean, so for example, I, I now have singing lessons. I never would have taken singing lessons if I never believed that uh, the best way for me to learn is for me to be taught. Mm. Because now I believe that if there's a new skill that I want, I just hire a teacher because yeah. I believe that is the most efficient and the best way for me to learn. And that's why like, I plan on after world hiring a German tutor because I'm like, it's probably going to be the most efficient way that I learn German if I just have someone sit down and teach me German. Mm. Um, So like, there's a really prime example for you. So I just realized I'm like, I noticed there's a blue thing in my background. And I was like, what is it? And then I realized that oh, it's yeah. the t-shirt thing. <laughs> <laughs> This everyone is a t-shirt that you might have got me. It's way too big for me, but I often wear it uh, on, uh, <laughs> on lazy days. Nice. I can't remember the context of this t-shirt, <laughs> but it is a gift from Yamato. So basically, it's, it's so good, right? It's so good. <laughs> you were living with Deficio and he did something to break your favorite shirt. There was like a hole in it, some shit. And you're like, fuck, <laughs> man, this is my favorite shirt. And then that day I bought you a shirt and then I just forgot it for like three years. Like, <laughs> that shirt was just there. And I was like, shit, what is this? This is a gift for various. And then I just brought it in one day. It's like, yo, you need a shirt. They're like, what? Yeah, that's true. Holy shit. All of that story is completely 100% true. There was a period in time where Deficio was living on my sofa. Um, and he was eating t-shirts. Fuck's yeah, sake. He, he destroyed one of my t-shirts. And then Yamato, I think you were part of the broadcast team at the time, even. Because that was... I think it was even earlier than that. Like, this was like some... Maybe old... it was, because that was 2018, mate, when yeah. he was... Whoa, maybe it was early. that was 2017 actually yeah, 2017 that was, was a long time ago man it took me yeah, time to get that t-shirt to, to yeah i got that t-shirt i'm pretty sure i got that when i picked up the graphics card i came yeah, home with the graphics yeah. card and that, and that. <laughs> so i just had that shirt for like three and a half years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god yeah we have a lot of history you i'm yeah, really grateful yeah. for it yeah me too me too it's been uh, a lot of good times it's uh So I wanted to ha have you on here. Just yeah, made, before uh, you before you get into the grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long have we been chatting now? Because how long has uh, it been? It's like one hour and 40 minutes. Time fucking oh. flies, dude. It's how crazy. long do you normally make these episodes, my friend? Uh, whatever makes sense. I guess we can start talking about the World Championship. What, what's, yeah, what, can... what's your initial reaction on the draw? Well, what are you feeling? Uh, I think Europe did pretty well. Mm. I was praying Rogue got Group B. Because then I'm like, they can get out of that. 
Mm. If it's Team Liquid and then it's Rogue, that we can they can get out, and then that's three European teams out, doable. And then they got Group A, and then I was like, well, they tried. Um, but I think that um, I'll tell you, I think RNG, in my opinion, is actually one of the favorites to win the tournament. So mm-hmm. I think that you're going to struggle against RNG, mm-hmm. but I do think that PSG is beatable. Uh, the other team that would join your group would be Hanwha, and yeah, yeah. I think. I think that's a game where you should just put Adam on Darius and you should just see what happens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my opinion. <laughs> uh, so I think that Hanwha is is very beatable. Okay. Um, I think that a lot of people... Um, I understand why people rate LNG highly and mm-hmm. I think that it is fair to give that benefit to... Um, LNG, yeah, yeah. but Anwa, the fourth seed uh, from Korea, mm-hmm. I have very little faith in. Um, from what I have seen, and bear in mind, it is a limited amount because I just watched their best of five versus T1. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of those games was just kind of like Chovy making a lot of really insane plays and like catching mm-hmm. T1 off guard. But I also think a lot of that was T1 just not knowing how to play the mid game. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that, that T1 have a number of issues uh, that make them a good team but people aren't going to like this and it's going to require so much context but it doesn't matter it's just going to get clipped out they kind of remind me of rogue um (laughs) um, obviously like the way in which they approach the game is quite different um and i'm not trying to say that t1 and rogue are basically the same teams it's just that like when i watch t1 if they get an early lead they know exactly how to play the game and they seem to be like a really clean team and they are able to execute if however they like get into the mid game and the game is kind of even sometimes they can look quite lost on the map and they don't really know what to do and they don't have a clear direction and sometimes they try to overforce fights uh sometimes they try to like play on side lanes and they end up getting caught out um and so and like that's kind of why they remind me of rogue in that like if they have a really good draft where they can really enable their laners and they can leverage the individual talent uh and they can kind of get ahead and then play their game then i think that they look good but when you kind of put them in that like even state and when they have to be like clever about finding their own advantages outside of lane that's when i think that they can they can fall apart so um yeah and and i rate them higher than i do um hanwa so i don't think that hanwa was actually um getting like really impressive wins i think that t1 was making more mistakes and like hanwa were just kind of catching the throws mm-hmm. um so I rate. I think you should be able to get out of groups. I think Mad should be able to get out of groups, and then uh, I think Rogue is doomed. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, that's uh, the general sentiment. I, I would agree. Like on the T1 and Rogue point, I think that their losses look similar. Like yes, for sure. Uh, I think that there's definitely uh, that element to it. Like how, how how they win might be slightly different, but the the nuance yep. of how they lose definitely looks similar I, I feel like league is at the point where jungle support and mid how they think about the game and what they do within the game is so so important it's like yes it's it just defines everything that's going on like every decision that's being made in the game needs to be driven by these three roles like, yep. If you're uh, you ganking somewhere, pressuring for somewhere, these three roles need to be connected and involved. And I think those roles are the most impactful, the most powerful. And um, 
uh, coming into the World Championship. This is just how it is. And I think when it comes to, to T1, how connected that unit is, that's usually like what defines like a level of a team. Like Mad Lions yeah. do it very well, right? Humanoid and yeah. Kaiser, they are very, very connected as a unit in terms of yeah. how they play with the jungle. They are there on the Completely. stacked waves. They're good at playing around fog. They're basing together. You know, it's like the engine of the team, I believe. Like in the in the in the in the top twenty list that um, Peter Dunn and, and Dominator uh, did, like he, he mentioned, that the word engine or catalyst or something. But this this is just this is just the unit of the of of the team that makes and and, and drives all the decisions within the game, and that always defines yeah. like the, the macro level of a team and how how precise uh, someone is. Yeah. That's why Mad Lions is exciting for sure. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. I really can't wait for them to, to play against some of the, the better teams. And historically, T1 have a very good record in groups. So if you were a betting man, your actual safest bets are to put Korea to get out of groups. Mm -hmm. Even in their bad year, the, the one that uh, you knocked Genji out of Worlds. Yeah, um, that was the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, so that was the first time ever. Korean team. <laughs> uh, and that's actually the only time ever. <laughs> um outside of that one time korea has always gotten out of groups uh so it would be dangerous to say that gen g and t1 wouldn't get out of groups i'm not saying that it's impossible but uh i don't know what it is but korean teams in best of ones you wouldn't expect them to have that level of consistency but they they have that level of consistency and it might be maybe you can comment on this i, I don't know if teams in best of ones and groups like play more reserved you know than perhaps you kind of want them to um, because obviously each game has so much more weight than say a best of five um, but perhaps if the game is just slowed down and everyone's just a little bit more reserved and everyone takes the time a lot maybe that's just an environment that Korea has always really thrived in right so maybe that could be one reason or maybe they've just always had very good players right <laughs> that's the other aspect to it I would say um, I think the way Korean teams practice is very good for best of ones i think also korean teams generally have very strong conviction in what they want to play and what they want to right. draft because a lot of the korean team teams are very like coach driven and uh, when when you are practicing a certain way where you're, you're just cookie cutter repeating the same recipe over and over again uh, then you've nailed it you know and yeah. usually they're if that decision is right, they plow through the entire tournament. Like, if you look at the, how Damwon played through the entire World Championship, they drafted very similarly. It's like, top lane was their wild card, barrel on something that could just go in, that is beefy. And then yep. often they had the Graves and Regen, something that they can kite, peel back, and, 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 and play a certain way. Like, there was a clear recipe in how they wanted to play. Same thing right. when, when T1 was winning World Championship, I remember. First pick the f strongest fucking jungler that you can, blind pick rise, play through mid and that was like the, the recipe you know they, they figured right. out the recipe from day one they stuck to it and i think usually when when metals are undefined it's better to be just good at what you know and i yeah. think this is something the korean teams are very very good they stick to their guns they have conviction in what they do but as the tournament progresses when there are shifts and there are things that you need to you know that you need to move around on and if what you have a strong conviction in turns out to be maybe wrong that's when those teams begin to dip, right? I see. So that then also when all these teams have so much time leading into a tournament to practice, 
they can only just further solidify their approach to the game, right? Mm -hmm. So then you come into the best of ones and they just have a very clear and crystal idea of how they want to approach the game. It's kind of what you're saying, right? Yes, yes. But this is like the, the issue that every team is facing. Uh, we are facing this, 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 this issue. Like you go into a tournament, there's metas from all over the place and you need to have like conviction in what, you, what, you, what you're doing and what you believe in. But... But, but I, I mean, think... Fnatic's famous for that, my friend. The week one, week two, a week one Fnatic, week two has always looked dramatically different oh. from week one. In fact, the organization's history is you come in with the wrong meta read, yeah. you lock in Garen Yumi three games in a row, and then you realize maybe this wasn't the play, and then you shift it up and you knock RNG out of group. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> um, it, it's funny because like if, if Yamato, if you crack the formula, and you make week one fanatic as good as week two fanatic. We're looking at another 2018 fanatic all over again, aren't we? <laughs> That's the hope. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel so fucking pumped. I feel so energized. The the boys are excited too, and I feel more uh, ready than ever, man. Uh, like this is this is it. Like we we go into the tournament wanting to to win it all. I think setting any type of other goal is 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 a joke. I think that's just a competitive yeah. joke. If you like, yeah, we want to go to quarters. Like, fuck that shit. You know, we're going to <laughs> practice as if we want to fucking win it all. We're not going to practice as if we want to go to quarters. We're going to practice as mm. if we want to win it all. Same approach that we did in in in, in summer split or spring split. Uh, yeah, yeah. You have to practice and live in a way as if you want to fucking win everything. I think there's there's uh, nothing else that you can do, and uh, that's our goal. I'm so fucking hyped for our group. Okay. I've, I've been to Worlds three times, Redis. Every time I have yeah. RNG in my group. And every First time, time I, I haven't they knocked gone. you out. Yes. Both second times. Time, well, times second time they didn't me. really knock you out, did they? Well, both. I am 1 1. Like, it, with Splice, we won against RNG once. Yeah. We won against Uzimata, Miki Kobe. What's up? <laughs> Jim Brom. And then uh, 2018, we won that game, Draven Trash into, in, in, into Kaiser. Yep. Good times, wow. and then this time I'm gonna increase uh, the win ratio. Gala is gonna go above 50%. Ming versus upset Hillisang. Isn't it crazy how like it's obviously you you didn't have Hillisang, but Hillisang Ming. This matchup is actually there's so much history between these two players. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's actually so much history. Has Hilly said anything? Nah, man, Hilly Hilly is chilling, man. Really is but is he excited to play against Ming again or anything? Has he said anything like that? Or really just wants to win, man. This this right, guy okay. is I don't know, man. This this Hilly is so fucking good, man. It's, <laughs> it's he's so fucking smart and good. It's it's in, in, insane actually. It's it's crazy. You know, it was him that knocked RNG out in twenty nineteen. Yeah. It was the T one fanatic RNG group. Can't believe was that Pike? Yeah, well, the split push. I remember him sitting top lane with the yeah, with the yeah. Baron. Yes, yes. I, I still can't believe, um, fucking, they were allowed to get the Barrel Bros. The fucking Gragas Gragas Gangplank was the secret recipe of uh, <laughs> of Fnatic winning games. They got the Barrel Bros, and then they were banning supports, and fucking Hilly got to play Pike. Um, uh. I don't know if you remember what game this was, but do you remember the Trundle game from Hilly where he almost won the game by himself playing Trundle's? Yes, yes. I don't, I don't even remember who he was playing against. I just remember that. I remember yelling about the fact that this Trundle's about to backdoor this team. <laughs> <laughs> that was like good times. Holy moly. Oh, yeah.
Okay, that's cool. I'm excited. I hope to see more champions from Niski. Um, so far, he's on four, and his LeBlanc didn't look very good, so I'm going to exclude that from the roster of Playoff Sumato. That was just one like, game. It was just one just game, one... man. Yeah, I, I know, but I mean, I've got, to, I've got to talk about what's in front of me. Yes, Sumato. yes. You know that, you know? <laughs> and so, from my evaluations of that one game, his LeBlanc should never be played again. You know what I mean? That's... that's... <laughs> uh, but you've got PSG, who obviously you can never afford to underestimate them because I think teams did underestimate them at MSI and they ended of up getting course. punished for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, Maple is a very talented individual. Um, so I think like your group's going to be really interesting because I think it's one of those ones where in theory, anyone could get out. Yeah. yeah. Um, if Hanwha Life do qualify, then in theory, anyone could. So it's it, for me, it's probably the most exciting group because I feel like it's the one that's the least defined. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you finished top of the group, but I also wouldn't be surprised if you were struggling to get out as well, you know? So I think Group C is a really interesting one. Oh, the best of ones are, are very dangerous, but in terms yeah. of, like, preparation approach, it's like, I like to prepare for the best version of the enemy team, and I hope yes. to face the best version of the enemy team, because I want to walk away. Like, like winning easy games, there's, there's, there's nothing, like, there's no... Eh, you know, like beating Rogue, like 3-0, honestly, it didn't feel like much. Right. Because our preparation, uh, like the players, our mindset, you know, upset coined, we're on a mountain, you know, we were on a mountain, you know, we were, we walked into that series knowing that we are going to win, right? Right. And uh, the G2 series, like that felt like a fucking finals, you know? Like that was yeah. that was a rough one, you know. And we yeah. we conquered our demons, and we 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 dominated in the game five. And you know, those those, those series are a lot more meaningful, of course. Yeah, of course. I remember the screaming Yamato. <laughs> I expect to see it again if you beat RNG. Yeah, so, yeah. we're going to energy. do it. We're going to do it. Okay, yeah. Various. You know, we've been talking for two hours. And uh, yep. my girlfriend is waiting for me, so I'm gonna spend okay. some time with her. But is yeah. there anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to uh, videos picks to watch coming out or something? Videos picks to watch is coming out soon. Early. Do you finish yeah. it? Do you record it? Is it wrapped? Uh, we need to record the the script, mm -hmm. so like the actual the things that I say about the champions. But the champions have been locked in. The intro has been recorded. Okay. Uh, just got to all be stuck together and released. So Pigs to Watch is definitely coming out. Holy. People are going. Yeah. That's sick. Um, Anything else? Uh, no, just, you know, keep me updated on the DMs, how scrims are going. You know, I like all the one-on-one <laughs> -on -one info. You know, I like it. Um, but no, thank you. Be thank you, Yamato. I know you're going to be really busy from this point on. You know, I consider you a close friend and I'm going to be supporting you. And I, I, uh, I hope that you... Uh, I mean, ultimately, I want you to win, but I ultimately want you to perform your best, you know, because I think that as a competitor, that's that's what matters the most. If you lose to a better team, then as long as you played the absolute best that you could, um, I think that for me as a competitor, whenever I used to compete, I was always like, well, you know what? I know I lost, but this person was just better and mm. I did everything that I could, but they were just better than me and, and that sucks. But, you know, I'm actually okay with this loss because <laughs> there's no way, like for me, that I think, uh, so I need to work harder in the long term to be able to be better than them. So I, I hope that you just get the best possible thing out of your players and I hope that you bring uh, the best possible drafts. 
So uh, can't wait. I'm excited. I appreciate that, Varys. Now you are uh, you mean a lot to me, Varys. And I'm happy that you to uh, me as well, friend. I'm I'm happy that you you could pull up even after a long work day to to have a chat with me because of okay. course my my. The timings are very limited when we both have a moment <laughs> in time to. I mean, after world, we need to get that 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 house party thing going on. You know, with Bro, the, I'm moving. With the, I'm moving the from this band. hellhole. Don't care. We still got to do it. You know, we got to get the rock band out. You, me, Dracos, and someone else, and just a bunch of party. We have to do it. Games. We have to do it. I actually, I literally, I have my guitar right here. Nice. Like the. the I, I downloaded Clone Hero to play to play some music. Nice. To warm up the when, hands, uh, you know? <laughs> nice. I'm excited, bro. I suck at that type of game, but I'm ready to play it anyway. No, for sure. We got to do it. I have so many issues with this apartment. Like, you know how much I'm paying. We don't need to I know, it. bro. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a Just fuckery, right? And I, my heating is all fucked and... Like everything is just a fucking disaster here. I fucking hate this place. I'm gonna move out, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm suing them, and I just I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> Fuck this place. Leaving. Fuck this place. That's all right. Cool. Like all right, move a little closer, out. and then I can visit more often. That'd be great. Yes, yes. Hopefully, like with all the right. new fanatic. Love office. you, Jacob. Have a great world. <laughs> Go kick some ass. And remember, okay, Iceland is fucking cold, so. I've been told that a dehumidifier is really fucking important for your skin. So moisturize and a dehumidifier is apparently what you need. Okay. Don't get that dry skin when you're out in the cold. Understand? All right. <laughs> Thank you very cool. much. <laughs> you're welcome. Take care of yourself. Oh, Have the great, best videos, yeah? Wait, wait, you guys are not flying to Iceland, right? You're staying in the no, EU? Shit, man. I'll see you when, uh, when I'm back. Well, maybe when I move into hopefully the new place. they might sit there, they might sit there and tell me they're like, yeah, we don't want you to cast the semis onwards. I'll be nice. I'm coming to Iceland. See you there, lads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm Jacob's assistant. Yeah, I uh, I I get him coffee. That's me. Hi. I'm All right, mate. Thank you. He gave me as proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. All take right, it brother. easy. Take care, man. See you. Bye, bye. Okay, that was. Uh... Like that is giving me tips about Iceland. He doesn't know I'm from Sweden. Ugh, I'm used to the cold indeed. You know, Viking is a way of life. It was good to have uh, various here. This was episode 14 of The Voice of Yamato. I, I appreciate all of you guys showing up. Let's just host, host somebody uh, to end the day. Uh, let's just check who's online because a lot of you guys showed up. Let's just host somebody. Uh, let's uh, Taylor Hall's my favorite spare now. That's very loud. Sorry. Let's uh, host raid. Is self-made streaming? But he has no mic, so it's no not so fun. Let's just I will dominate. I will dominate, yeah. Dominate. Dominate is a homie. Oscar has no no fucking mic. <laughs> <laughs>